It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday, and welcome to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Today might be one of my favorite episodes Brandon and I have done this far. It's all about getting your first trick pull-up, and there's a ton of great information coming your way. So if you've been struggling to get your first pull-up, or maybe it's on your bucket list, maybe you're a coach and you've got some athletes that you're trying to help get their first trick pull-ups, this episode's going to have some great information where you can help determine what is that athlete's limiter, and then how do you structure some training to help them reach their goal. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. It's a great way for us to uh, reach more people, but it's also a great way for you to leave a comment or a question so we know what you want us to talk about. So hope you enjoy today's episode and get some great info from it so you can get that first trick pull up. Welcome to the Better Faster Podcast. Today, Josh and I are going to tell you how to get your first pull-up. So if this is on your bucket list or if this is something you've been struggling with, we're going to try and lay out the blueprint for you and let you take it from there. So Josh, why don't we start out talking about a little about who this episode is for and then talk about exactly what the standard is for a pull-up. Maybe describe what a proper pull-up looks like. Right. Yeah. So uh, for me, especially the population that we deal with, a lot of times people come in to the gym and they've never done a pull-up before. Um, they, you know, maybe it's they uh, have, you know, they're newer to fitness or they've just, for some reason, it's never clicked for them. They need to get a little bit stronger or whatever the reason might be. Uh, they've never been able to do a strict pull-up and a strict pull-up uh, or your standard pull-up, whatever you want to call it, it starts where you're hanging from a bar, uh, a pull-up bar uh, that's you know, elevated above you all the way down, you know, fully locked out at the bottom. I mean, your arms are straight. Um, your feet are not on the floor. You truly are in what's called a dead hang. From there, you then pull yourself up to where your chin is over the bar. That would be kind of a standard pull-up, or you can even go all the way up until your chest touches the bar. Uh, and then you would, again, descend back down to that same starting position where your arms are fully locked out and you have that dead hang from the bar. Um, now, there uh, are many different types of pull-ups from there. Um, it, they can, you can vary the grip. So you can have a pronated grip or where your palms are away from you or a supinated grip where your palms are towards you. I always remember that or tell people, you know, if like you're holding a cup of soup, you know, your palms are facing you. So that's supinated grip. Um, and then there are neutral grip pull-ups. Uh, you can then start adding in uh, more of a dynamic pulling variation where you're getting into like kipping pull-ups or um, even further into things called muscle-ups where you actually traverse over the bar. So the standard strict pull-up is kind of that starting point. And a lot of people come into the gym 
And this is a huge goal for them. Like you said, it's a bucket list item, something that they see, they've seen on TV or they've seen their friends do. And it's the number one thing they want to do. It's probably the number one question I get from people who are new is, uh, how do I get my first pull-up? And so I think this, this episode, you know, hopefully will give uh, some listeners some great tools to get started on that path. So whenever I, I like to address this, like I always want to start with just the basics, physics, basic physics of it. So is it as simple as your, if your body weight goes down, your pull-ups are going to go up, or is it more to it than that? I think there definitely is a strength-weight ratio, uh, and there are a lot of people that do come in. You know, Again, this is usually somebody that's maybe newer to the gym, uh, the gym scene or newer to our gym, and yes, they do maybe need to get a little bit stronger you know, in terms of their upper body pulling strength, but they also might need to alter their body uh, composition and lose some body mass. I think that definitely plays a very big role, uh, and that's sometimes a tough conversation to have with, with somebody. When they come to you like, hey, I want to get, get my first pull-up, and you, you have to, you know, address it that way. Well, hey, there's this, this kind of strength versus weight ratio here when it comes to pulling your body weight around. So yes, we can work on it from both ends of the spectrum. We can work on getting you stronger um, in terms of the, uh, you know, that pulling pattern, but then we can also work on uh, altering body composition to make it a little bit easier. Um, so I think that you're right, you know, decreasing body mass is probably going to play a big role in it. Um, and sometimes that's the, you know, the biggest thing for somebody, um, you know, to, to address. It's not always, they're not strong enough. Um, you know, they're definitely not strong enough for their current body mass, but they would benefit more from altering their body composition than even improving their upper pulling strength. Right. So, I mean, even in like the, the sport of fitness with some of like your really advanced athletes, I mean, it's feasible that whenever it comes close to competition, you might want them to shave a few pounds off, right? Just because of that aspect. Is, is that, am I wrong in thinking that? No, I think I, I see where you're going with that. And I think that definitely can play a role. The biggest, there's so many other factors when it comes to that kind of person that if losing, you know, body mass there, um, you know, again, losing body mass in, you know, involves a caloric deficit. And if I am, if there's any other thing that's affected by that, so performance in other areas drop, uh, they're, they feel you know, fatigued or they feel low energy or they're, they're unable to maintain certain strength numbers that I think they need to hit, well, then maybe I don't have them lean out. Um, it is kind of natural over like the, I guess, the cycle of the season. Um, for a lot of these competitive athletes that, that I work with where they will be heavier in the off season when we focus more on gaining lean muscle mass, um, but also their, um, you know, the type of conditioning they're doing, um, it's not nearly as intensive as it would be in kind of a preparatory period before uh, the quote unquote season would start. So a lot of times there are fluctuations in body weight. And I think it is really good to, uh, for those athletes to kind of get to that body weight earlier on in the off season. Um, what we think is like a comfortable weight for them to practice at that heavier body weight, to build some volume and some density in the certain gymnastics movements at that heavier body weight. So that when we adjust their training program to prepare them from an energy system standpoint for the demands of the actual season. So preparing them say for the CrossFit open or for regionals, as they start to lose some body weight and lean out because it's natural for them to most likely lean out because the demand of what we're, we're doing in training is higher um, and the volume is usually a little bit higher as well. Well, then they've already got that benefit of having performed so many reps at a heavier body weight that yes, it does usually allow them to increase you know, their number of that one, uh, reps they can do in a row. It can increase their density, meaning the amount of reps they can do in a certain amount of time. So yes, losing some body weight there can be beneficial, but it's got to be done in a very structured manner when it's that high level athlete. So that way they don't um, suffer any deficits elsewhere. Sure. So, I mean, it kind of sounds like that's, that's something that might just sort of naturally have happen over the course of a season. I mean, I've even read before NBA players will lose like 30 pounds by the time the season's over. So that's, that's definitely, um, I guess a factor when you're dealing with an elite athlete, but mm -hmm. going back to someone who's a beginner. So someone that first day in the gym, 
They, they can't get that pull up. Can't even get it started. Where are you going to begin? What are ways that you're going to scale this? Where do we start? Oh man, that's a loaded question. Um, I think you're going to see most gyms that you walk into, so they're probably going to get thrown on a band. Uh, and I'm, I'm here to tell you, uh, friends don't let friends do banded pull-ups. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, again, I, you know, I think everything has its place and I think bands can be used in certain instances and we'll get into it. Um, but I do think, you know, using bands all the time, the longer you use bands, uh, the longer it's going to take you to, to get your first pull-up. I'm, I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, and we can talk about why, but for me, um, I want to kind of figure out, okay, well, where is this person uh, in terms of this whole continuum of, you know, upper body pulling, you know, strength and efficiency, like their ability to do it. Um, and if I have a, you know, if I determine they can't do a regular pull up, if I have a Gravitron or a lat pull down, that is probably going to be the number one place I start because the loading is consistent across the entire range of motion. So a lat pull down machine, um, you can also make one of these with bands and a PVC pipe. Um, if you're at a gym and you don't have uh, access to an actual lat pull down machine, obviously that's an upper body vertical pulling motion where you start, you're seated, um, you can be on the ground or on the machine, you're holding this um, you know, implement above you and you're pulling it down towards your chest or pulling it below your chin. Um, and it, you, again, there's a weight stack, so you can choose how much load. The Gravitron kind of works the opposite way. Um, it's a, an assistance machine. So again, the assistance is consistent across the entire range of motion. So you're going to be actually holding on to essentially a pull-up bar and there's going to be like a, a pad that your knees are on. And then that is applying some weight against you. So basically it just lessens, effectively lessens your body weight and allows you again to do the full range of motion pull up. I'm going to start people there again, because the, the resistance or the assistance, depending on what you're using is consistent across, across the entire range of motion. And I think that's very important. And that's why I don't, I'm not a huge fan of bands because the band is, um, it's not consistent in terms of how much help you're getting at the different um, you know, phases of the pull-up. You're getting most of your help at the very bottom, which is arguably the hardest part of it, uh, of the pull-up. Um, but for me, it just, it honestly, it prevents you a lot of times from developing the strength to correctly retract your scaps, um, to you know, develop strength in your lats when they're in that extended position. I think like, that's something that you know, if we have so much help there, a lot of times you know, the band helps us just bypass that phase. And that phase is when it's really you know, the most difficult. And so if we're always bypassing that phase essentially over and over and over again, and we're just working on developing that top end strength, that very top of the pull up from, you know, halfway up, I, I think that it's really going to limit us in terms of getting away from the band because we're never working on that end range. So if I have it in my gym, which we're fortunate enough to have, I'm starting it on either the Gravitron or the lat pull down. So that way the, the um, assistance or resistance is consistent across the entire range of motion. All right. That's a lot of good info there. So case in point, don't use the bands because they're going to help you with the hardest part of the pull up and mm -hmm. it's going to take you longer. And so that Gravitron though, that that's a nice piece of, piece of equipment. Um, mm -hmm. and I know a lot of people aren't going to have access to that. So I, personally, one of the things I like to start with are actually jumping pull ups where you were literally jump from the ground or from a box and up to the top of a bar. And what that does, the reason why I like that is because it actually gets a person used to that pattern of getting their chin over the bar. And then if they have enough strength, they can actually work on negatives, just work on the eccentric portion of that. Um, I think it's a good place to start. It's a good place to um, kind of build up someone's confidence. And again, just kind of get them through the pattern. Um, from there, I still like to keep it vertical in the beginning. So, um, the toe assisted pull-ups that I know Zach Long, um, promotes a lot are great. I'm a big fan of those. Um, those worked out really well. Some of my post-op patients, um, also, um, 
the lat pull down variations that you talked about are great too. Um, that can be looked at, I guess, as an accessory movement. But um, what are your thoughts about the horizontal pulling? I mean, does that fit in with this as well too, or is that oh, more like accessory? Yeah, definitely. And I do want real quick to touch on what you mentioned there, um, jumping pull-ups. And this is where I do think the band is important and can be used is like you said, it builds confidence and it allows them to start feeling the pattern. So doing a banded pull-up is not necessarily a bad thing if it's used to you know, again, feel that whole pattern, what the actual movement's supposed to feel or doing a jumping pull-up. Again, you're trying to build confidence, help someone get their chin over the bar, but then also they're, they're learning kind of what that full movement is going to feel like eventually. Um, and I love that you mentioned negatives. Um, negatives, I'm going to get somebody to negatives soon if I can. If somebody's, you know, day one with me a lot of times and they've never done pull-ups before, negative is maybe a little advanced for them. So that toe assist you talk about is awesome because that, again, just like the Gravitron and the lat pull-down, they're applying the assistance, meaning that it can be a little bit more consistent across. And if they do need a little bit more at a certain aspect of the pull-up, they can add in, you know, they can push a little bit harder with their toe. So I think, you know, you're, you know, I love those variations you talked about. And as we move into those horizontal pulling, I think that you have to include horizontal pulling in every training program. And this is where I think CrossFitters really miss the boat. Um, we love vertical pulling, especially once we get our first pull-ups and we get our first kipping pull-ups, all we want to do is as many kipping pull-ups as we can do. And we just kind of forget that there's this whole different aspect of pulling. And I love horizontal pulling. I think that, you know, like we talked about with our shoulder impingement episode, um, you know, you horizontal pulling or your overall pulling volume needs to be a lot more than our pushing, but horizontal arguably needs to be done even more than vertical does. Um, because it's something that's so safe on the shoulder joint. You know, again, we're not up overhead where we talked about closing that position down. It's also something that is, we can, you know, more easily vary the loading to match the person's ability, um, which again, will allow us to, you know, get the time under tension we're desiring to help create the adaptations we're desiring. Because, you know, again, you're not necessarily using your body weight as the resistance there. Um, I think horizontal pulling is so important and variations would include any type of ring row. Um, you can do it with both arms or single arm ring rows, I think are great because then you're working, um, you know, some stability in a different plane as well. Um, but then any kind of dumbbell, kettlebell, barbell rows, um, they can be both, again, bilateral, or it can be a unilateral with a dumbbell or kettlebell. You can do prone rows. I love prone rows. I think I threw those into your program this week as well. Um, I think um, prone rows are, uh, are great as well. Um, again, setting a bench, say, up on some blocks so that way you can get um, full range of motion while you're completely horizontal facing the ground. Um, but you're right. I think horizontal pulling has to be included. And when you're working on improving it for the sake of a pull-up, you then have to find a balance of horizontal pulling to some pulling variation that is vertical. You can't just do horizontal, but at the same time, you don't want to just be trying to do vertical because you can, again, alter the loading in a way that can really help you develop, you know, the scapular strength to get you know, proper scapular mechanics. But then also you can get really, really strong doing some horizontal pulling variations. So a good mix, I think, is the way to go. Yeah, I totally agree with that too. And, and I definitely, I like those prone rows a lot too, because you know, you're going to use a weight that's so heavy that you're not necessarily going to get your shoulder blades like completely retracted, but it's going to be sort of that pack scat position that you need to be able to like push and pull um, efficiently. I mean, if you ever watch a boxer, that's how they punch, you know, they're mm -hmm. not going to, they're going to throw a punch from the shoulder blades completely squeezed together. And um, yeah, I think that's a very important concept from athleticism as well too. Um, so putting all this together, so programming on the fly, because mm -hmm. you know, this is the, trying to stay true to the theme of this episode, how to get your first pull up. What would you say would be like maybe the top two or three exercises you would have a client do that's new? How many days a week? And if you can answer this, you might not be able to, in your experience, 
how many weeks does it typically take for someone that's new? So let's say, let's say a female, because we know that females as a population just don't have as much upper body strength as males. What's, can you, can you give some kind of ballpark numbers on that? Oh man, that- you're, you're setting me up right here. Um, with, with all these, there's so many variables. Um, I think again, sticking to kind of that avatar we talked about, say it's a, a female athlete that's a little bit newer to fitness. And let's just say for the sake of what it is, they need to get stronger from an upper body pulling standpoint, but they also would benefit from some body composition changes. Um, cause again, that's probably, you know, a lot of the people that are, that are coming and listening to this or that are wanting this pull up and are struggling with it. Um, so for me, I think because this person is still trying to learn this movement, and I think we always have to learn a movement you know, from a neurological standpoint before we can really effectively train it. Um, I think you can do this two or three times a week. You can go through these same exercises um, or variations of these exercises. It's not a once a week kind of thing. I think, I think you can effectively do this two or three times a week and still make progress because, again, we know initially we're just you know, making changes with the brain. We're, we're now we're going to be able to, again, effectively recruit the mu- the, these muscles uh, in terms of this pattern a little bit better which again will allow us to train it further as we go forward. So I think two to three times a week is probably a good ballpark estimate for someone to dedicate, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes towards, uh, you know, additional upper body strength um, on top of say what their regular fitness program is. So you're doing your class, you know, three, four, five times a week, you're coming to a general class program. Maybe you have 15 or 20 minutes that you, you add before or after um, those class programs on maybe two or three days of the week dedicated to upper body pulling strength. Um, so that would be where I would start from that, from what I would do. I would make sure that there is a vertical pulling um, option in there or exercise in there. That could be if you have access, again, to a Gravitron or lat pull down, I would use it, utilize it. I would probably do that once or twice a week. It would be that variation or one of those variations. Um, if it's negatives, if you can do negatives, um, I think they're a great training tool as well. The issue with that is a lot of times people can't control it well enough to create enough time under tension. If you're jumping up over the bar and it's a second and a half by the time you're down at the bottom, full extension at the bottom, we're probably not ready, ready to use negatives as a training tool just yet. I want these negatives to take five, six seconds on the lower end because then we know we can get, build a lot of strength through, you know, through um, emphasized eccentrics like that. So we want to make sure that the eccentric is long enough though that we can get a lot out of it. We need that time under tension of the set to be a little bit longer than say jumping up and going like a second and a half down to the bottom. You're going to have to do a bunch of those to try to get enough time under tension. So for me, negatives would be in there again, if the person demonstrates they can do it slow enough, but for probably going to end up being Gravitron or lat pull down or lat pull down variation, again, using bands or like in terms of bands, like you're pulling down on the band, not a band did pull up or like a band and um, say a PVC pipe. So I'm doing something vertical. Um, if it has to be a band pull-up just to help ingrain that pattern, then it's a banded pull-up. Uh, again, I think that can be used in certain instances, but it shouldn't be the only thing. And then I'm going to also include some kind of horizontal pulling there as well. Um, I think one day a week, maybe it's a bilateral variation. And then on the other day a week, if we're doing, say, two days a week in this example, it would be a unilateral variation. So I'm doing, say, a, um, a ring row or a barbell, you know, bilateral bent over row there or a ring row where you're kind of underneath the the rings and pulling yourself up to them. And then on the other day, I'm doing a single arm variation, be it a dumbbell, a kettlebell, or a a single arm ring row. So again, this program starting to look like on one day a week, say it's two to make this easy. You're starting out with two. One day a week, I'm doing a vertical pulling, say it's on the Gravitron, and I'm doing a, um, a 
bent over barbell row or du- double kettlebell row or double dumbbell row on one. And then, then and, and maybe I add in, say, an extra core piece there too, like some kind of, you know, hollow hold plank, something like that, because I think, um, you know, that's beneficial as well. Um, and then, you know, going over on the other day, the other um, secondary day of the week, I'm doing a different pulling variation from, from a vertical standpoint. Maybe it's negatives, maybe it's lat pull down, maybe there's a banded pull up just to kind of start grooving that pattern. And then the other one, I'm doing a unilateral row, like a, a kettlebell or dumbbell bell single arm rowing variation um, and then maybe I throw in a different kind of uh, you know you know core stability issue uh, you know exercise there so like a, um, a side plank there or maybe I'm doing hollow rocks or maybe I'm doing um, you know a front leaning rest uh, beyond the rings again it depends on the person and their their ability level but that would be how I would structure it I would start on maybe two days a week um, and if you have a third day I would probably in this example because we said this person needs to um, you know possibly alter their body composition I would add in some, maybe some easy aerobic work on that third day. If you have extra time, um, you know, I would get on a bike, a row, a ski, a, you know, single under, step up, something easy, fluid. Um, say, you know, again, we keep it at 15, 20 minutes where you're just moving and it's nice and easy. And maybe that's the Wednesday. So I know we're starting to build out on this, but Monday, you're doing that extra upper body pulling work. Wednesday, you're doing a little extra easy aerobic work. Friday, you're doing more upper body pulling focus work that complements what you did on Monday. And then you cycle through that. Um, again, trying to, trying to progress those exercises across, say, four to six weeks where you're, you're trying to add weight to it or add reps to it. And then four to six weeks, you reevaluate where you are and then you adjust and you continually do that across the lifespan, all while making sure that you're focused on, um, you know, what other things you're doing outside the gym. Is your nutrition on point? Are you sleeping enough? Are you making sure that you're able to recover from this extra pulling volume? Um, and then if you have all those, all those boxes checked, you can really make progress towards that first pull up. Boom. There it is. Abs and pull-ups made in the kitchen. Yeah. And it's hard, it's hard to give specifics because it really, you know, it really is so different for everybody. Um, somebody could, you know, a lot of people just, you know, they need exposure to the movement. Other people have a lot of, you know, a lot of work to do. And uh, that's why I think, you know, getting with one of the coaches at your gym, reaching out to one of us, whatever it might be, um, hopefully we can help steer you in that right direction. Um, Cause I know it is a big goal for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, so, you know, I've seen before where you, sometimes, and again, I'm going back to females, um, it, it, it can take them up to a year mm-hmm. to work on this, a, a full solid year, and you definitely have to commit to it. But you know, you'll get there eventually, for sure. Yeah. I think um, it depends on the starting point. Yep. If you have, especially from a body composition standpoint, if you know, if it's male or female, and you come in and you have, you know, uh, a large amount of weight to possibly lose, um, you know, that could be a, a very big aspect of this whole equation. Um, you know, it's, yes, you need to get stronger, but you'll probably benefit in more ways than just getting your first pull up by altering body mass. And so it can take a little bit longer depending on where you're starting from. But if you are, you're coming in and you really just don't have the upper body strength, well, we know the beginning of what you're doing in any kind of cycle, you're just learning your, you know, your brain is learning how to do the movement and it takes a little while. You're going to get stronger from that, but then, you know, it might take a little bit longer as you start getting into where you're actually building lean muscle mass and you're, you know, it can take a little bit to get to where you can do this pull up. But like you said, it can, you know, it can be done and you will make progress towards it if you structure everything um, and have everything uh, in your lifestyle supporting it. No, that's, that's a lot of good info, man. You should, you should charge for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Funny funny you say that. (laughs) No, uh, so, I mean, honestly, we could probably end the episode there, but, you know, why don't we also use an opportunity just to kind of dive into this a little bit more. So, you know, once that athlete does get that first pull up, you know, what then, where do you go from there? Yeah, that's like we mentioned kind of before. Once you get that first strict pull-up, what does everyone want to do, one want to do in a CrossFit gym? They want to start doing kipping pull-ups. In fact, half of them want to do kipping pull-ups prior to getting that strict pull-up first. Um, but for me, uh, I want to make sure we build up 
volume of that strict vertical pulling movement uh, motion before we get into any kind of kipping motion. Um, and you know that is going to be hard to do. It's not easy to go from one to two. You know, it's easier to go from one to two probably than it was to get the very first one. But uh, I think there are a few different ways out there. I know you have a, a program you used back in the day that did help you um, kind of build up some, you know, your volume of strict pull up. Yeah, um, it, it's. I think it's a fairly common program out there, but it's it's called the Fighter Pull Up. I think the full name is actually the Russian Fighter Pull Up Program, but this is one designed by Pavel, um, and it's basically it's a thirty day program, and it's a really specific rep scheme, and it involves basically sort of sneaking up on the reps, and you can definitely Google that if you want to because it's free. Um, but if you're new to pull ups, it, it's pretty much guaranteed to double the volume, maybe even triple the volume you can perform. Um, you have the prerequisite is you have to be able to hit five five straight pull ups before you can start it. Um, and basically the way it works is for the first week, you add a rep to the last set. The following week, you add to the beginning, then the middle, so on and so forth. Um, check it out if you get a chance. Like, for example, you know, day one is 54321. Day two is 54322, and so on and so forth. Um, but it's, it's definitely a good program. It is hitting pull-ups every single day for a month, so it's definitely not something you want to do forever and on end. But that can actually get your volume up enough to where you can probably actually you know, train a little bit more and be more a little bit involved in whatever the – workouts are in the CrossFit box or anything else you might be doing in your training. Yeah. Uh, but going back to what you said though, I mean, is, is strict before you kip, is that a hard, fast rule or do you allow? Oh, some- yeah. Well, uh, for me, yeah, yeah, that is pretty much a hard pass rule there. Um, I never like to make, you know, very concrete statements. As you know me, I always, I'm a very, it depends person because I take every situation very individualized. uh, individualized. Um, That's one reason like, you know, we started the whole company of what we do is because I think every person needs an individual approach to everything that they're doing when it comes to their fitness goals. But um, for me, I am very much a, you know, injury prevention um, person. That's the number one thing of any program I write is keeping the person healthy and keeping them in the gym. Because no matter what your fitness goals are, if you end up hurting, you can't do anything, um, then you're not going to reach them. So uh, you know, it's pretty, uh, pretty clear on that aspect. So for me, number one, I'm trying to make sure that I prevent any unnecessary injuries or any, you know, I'm making sure I take steps to ensure that it doesn't happen. So building up enough strength in a certain pattern where the tempo is very controlled, I think has always beneficial prior to adding speed to the movement. That doesn't just go for pull-ups, but I think pull-ups is the example everybody likes to highlight because everyone wants to go and start doing these kipping pull-ups or butterfly pull-ups, man. I've had, I have people that want, you know, come, want me to help them with their butterfly when they, I know they got their strip first strict pull-up two weeks prior. So <laughs> it's amazing that, that, that how that happens because it's just like, once you get that first one, the floodgates open. You're like, yes, I can do pull-ups. So now I want to do all the pull-ups. So for me, it's, um, you know, I, I have kind of a, a, a little kind of benchmark. I like to see, I, you know, in terms of how strong you are in a vertical pulling pattern. Um, I'm not, I, I don't necessarily test people on how many in a row you can do strict before you do kipping. I want to see kind of what your overall strength is in that pattern. So if you can do a weighted pull-up as a male with 33% of your body weight attached to you, then I am very comfortable starting to implement a lot of the, you know, more kipping volume. If you're a female and you can do 20% of your, your body weight attached to you, I think that, um, you know, that is a good marker to be able to start implementing, um, you know, kipping volume in there. So if you're a 150 pound female, uh, I'd like to be able to see a weighted pull up with 30 pounds, you know, attached to you, which again, not a, not an easy goal, 200 pound male. I want you, um, again, to, uh, you know, or say 180 pounds to make it easy. You know, I'd like to see 60 pounds attached to you on a weighted pull up 
prior to us really trying to build volume tipping. That doesn't mean we're not learning the skill. So we can do very structured skill work and technique work for the kipping pull-up. But if I'm going to start building volume with somebody to do that, I want to make sure that they have a, a good amount of requisite strength in kind of a slower controlled pattern, um, you know, that strict pulling pattern prior to going into that. Yeah, and that's not even to mention that those, those strict pull-ups actually need to be proper. You know, that's not a given that they're, you know, being done exactly right, too. And there is a little bit of skill that's involved with that, too. It's not just quite as simple as just, you know, gripping and ripping it, too. Yep. Um, you know, I know there's some things that I like to look for. Um, I like to see full shoulder flexion, like we talked about in the last couple episodes, you know, full shoulder external rotation when I'm assessing. Uh, if it's a CrossFit athlete, I'm going to look at their hollow body position. A lot of times I'm going to get them on the floor, see what it looks like, see how long I can hold it. I personally like to see them hold it at least 10 seconds while breathing normally and not just, you know, turn and beat red. Um, in that position, I like to see that the arms are behind the ears. They can lift their feet about six, six inches off the floor because all this is a prerequisite to getting into that kipping style, getting into those butterfly pull-ups. And, you know, that's, that's got to be a, you know, walk before you run type thing there. Um, if you want to get into the nuances a little bit more, um, whenever someone is doing the pull-up, we'd like to see some good scapular downward rotation on the pull and upward rotation on the eccentric. And, you know, for that to happen, you've got to maintain some tension on the bar or on the rings if you're doing rings. And um, another good rule of thumb is if you're getting some film on yourself, you know, make sure you're not letting the elbows dive behind the midline of the body. And again, that's if you're looking at someone from the side. Um, you could definitely get into the weeds on that a little bit more, but I just want to make sure we hit it on a little bit of the technical aspects involved with the pull-up too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, this is where having somebody watching you and having a, a coach really evaluating what do you need in this whole equation? Um, you know, cause there are a lot of people that you know, you know, will benefit from just like isolated scapular strengthening first to be able, like you said, to control your know, retraction and then downward rotation and upward rotation as they go through these movements. Um, you know, there's, there's so many different elements to a pull-up. It's, it's not like, you said a grip and rip movement it's it's pretty complex a lot of things have to happen in sequence to do it effectively and safely um so i think it always helps to get evaluated by somebody that can you know, then help set you up and set you on your way yeah, absolutely, man. That's a, that's another plug for individualized programming for sure there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it, I hate to always seem like I'm plugging it, but I really think everyone is so different. And if you, you know, if you don't, you know, believe that, then, you know, go do your group class and do your banded pull-ups. And then in a year, come talk to me when you still don't have one. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I hate to say that, but that's, I mean, it's, it's a band, the bands are like, you know, sometimes I hate to say it, but it's almost like drugs, man. Once you start, you just can't stop and you never get off of them. Um, and that's the, I hate to use that analogy, but that really what is, man. I know people that have been on bands for literally years and they're wondering why they can't do a pull up. Um, but again, it's not a hate, it, you know, I don't hate on bands all the time. Just sometimes when we're talking about pull ups. I love it, man. I feel like, I feel like I, I see a t-shirt design in my head now. It's like the, like the, it's like the dare t-shirt from back in like the nineties. We just yeah. start replacing oh, it. Gosh. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> oh man. We need to stop right, right <laughs> going on this. <laughs> what else you got, man? Um, Oh, Hey, did you see that? Uh, Jimmy McKay took the PT pint cast, pint cast down to MUSC. I did see that, man. I haven't listened to the episode yet, but I did see him post about it. Uh, you, you haven't listened to it at all? I have not, man. I've been, this rotation's taking up most of my time. So I have not, uh, I haven't, I'm, I'm a little behind on a lot of my podcasts. Got you. I, I got a chance to listen to her the weekend, man. And they, they did a good job down there. But, um, you know, there was something that one of the speakers said that caught my attention. And if you go back and listen, the host Jimmy interviews Lisa Saladin. And if you don't know who she is, Dr. Saladin, she's actually faculty at MUSC and she's also the current vice president of the American Physical Therapy Association. She's a great ambassador for the profession. She's done a lot of good things and all that stuff. But one of the questions Jimmy asked her is, you know, what makes MUSC different than any other program? And she quickly said, well, we're the best, right? 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, that implies that USC is not the best. If they're the best, right, they're going to be one. Uh-huh. And, you know, when she said that, when she said that, she got a good pop from the crowd. You know, everyone's course, cheering. And, but he followed up with, well, well, why is MUSC the best? And she goes on to say something along the lines of, you know, where our faculty cares and our students care, we're passionate. And that was it. And, you know, I'm all for school pride, but, you know, I'm a Republican. And, <laughs> yeah, therefore, I don't subscribe to that theory that they're the best. And if you're going to say that you are the best at something, you got to back that up with facts. And I, I don't know, last time I checked, their class size is still at least double that of the other interstate PT school. Uh, what their PTC are still using pro sections instead of dissecting on cadavers and gross anatomy. And this may not be a true statement, but I think it is. But for reasons unknown, they don't even teach cervical, cervical manipulation within the program. Right. So <laughs> maybe, maybe a more accurate statement would have been we're the best in Charleston. <laughs> they they would have that down. Yes. They're yeah. The best in Charleston. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I love it. I, uh, you definitely like to stir the pot a little more than I do, but uh, uh, I have to, I have to agree with you. Um, you know, it's, all I know is there's one, there's really one metric that you can measure most schools across all of them. And, you know, that is, you know, how well students do on boards, because that's the whole point of PT school, right? Is to make sure you pass mm-hmm. boards. And um, all I know is this past class for Carolina, I, I believe a, like a 732 average and the national average is about 660. So um, I, had, so I, I think that's enough to say uh, USC is a fine program. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think we got, I think we got an in-state rivalry going on now. I know, um, man. Uh, <laughs> And I know I, this, this really isn't fair because um, we don't have any USC student or graduate talking on it right now. But um, anyone listening to this, you know, if you, if you go to that PT school in the low country, you know, add to the conversation, feel free to shoot us a DM, DM on Instagram. We'll address on the next episode. Um, but on the other hand, you know, if anyone out there is listening and is fortunate enough to get accepted into both in-state DPT programs, hope we medicate for USC. And if not, JV plays on Thursdays. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, if, you, if you want more episodes like this, uh, go to iTunes, leave us a review. That's what helps us reach more people. And if you thought this information was useful, uh, maybe you got your first pull up, uh, let us know. And we'd love to hear feedback. Uh, be sure to check us out on Instagram. Uh, that's at Better Faster Podcast. You can find Josh at, at CPT underscore strength or me at Vertex PT. Y'all have a great week. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.